Hey everyone, what's up? And welcome to Front Run, where we predict the future of money and technology. Thank you to all of the new listeners, subscribers, and followers. Tons of new people joining the Front Run community over the past couple of weeks, especially into 2023. Incredibly grateful to have all of you joining us. If this is your first time with us. We're all here to front run what we believe is the next generation of wealth creation. We call it crypto and decentralized finance. I'm your host, John Cook. It's the third week of January 2022. On this episode, we're going to untangle Digital Currency Group and Gemini's Earn program. There's been a lot of noise over the past couple of weeks with respect to the Gemini Earn program, specifically from the Winklevoss twins posting like tweets, letters to Digital Currency Group, uh, DCG CEO, Barry responding, so on and so forth. Recall a a couple of months ago, I wrote quite a few articles on uh, the relationship between DCG and the Grayscale Bitcoin and Ethereum Trust. Was it a Ponzi scheme? Were the assets there? And we concluded at that time, Grayscale, the Grayscale Trust via Coinbase custodian is actually in possession of all of the Bitcoin and Ethereum. So that was really the the goal of that analysis to make sure that the trust actually has the Bitcoin and ETH that they said they did in their 10Ks and 10Qs. And we concluded they did from like documentation that was released by Coinbase. But I would love to do that. I wasn't planning on covering it anymore. But what I've noticed over the past couple of weeks is this narrative from the Gemini camp that the Gemini program, Gemini Earn, and the depositors in Gemini Earn are victims of a questionable CEO who's operating a conglomerate of crypto firms at the detriment of the broader crypto ecosystem. And what I'm talking about is the Digital Currency Group CEO operating Genesis, Grayscale, Coindesk, and these other firms to maximize his profit at the expense of Gemini. And I was like, is this real? Is this actually happening? And what I want to call out like, was... Uh, I'm, I'm pulling up a tweet for those that are, are listening. It's from Cameron Winklevoss on 1223, and it's an open letter to Barry Silbert. It outlines essentially Cameron's position on Gemini, Genesis, and DCG. I won't read the entire letter, but... I want to read the first paragraph because it really sets the tone for how Gemini is trying to position itself with respect to the $900 million of depositor funds that are now potentially DOA. Here's a snippet of the open letter to Barry Silbert from the CEO of Gemini, Cameron Winklevoss. Barry, today marks 47 days since Genesis halted withdrawals. I'm writing on behalf of more than 340,000 earned customers who are looking for answers. These users aren't just numbers on a spreadsheet. 
they are real people. A single mom who lent her son's education money to you. A father who lent his son's bar mitzvah money to you. A husband and wife who lent their life savings to you. A school teacher who lent his children's college fund to you. A policeman. And so many more. All of these people have entrusted more than $900 million of their assets to you. They deserve concrete answers, and we are here to get them. And then he goes on and on uh, to explain like the failures of DCG. What I found particularly interesting in this of this is uh, number one, Cameron absolving Cameron absolving the entire all of responsibility from Gemini and putting the entire blame on DCG Genesis, which is the uh, the lending desk of DCG, and ultimately the CEO of DCG Barry, as if Cameron and Gemini are just victims in this um, victims of an evil CEO alarms immediately went off. And I was like, I got to dig into this because I, I particularly don't believe uh, anything that anything that comes from the CEO of a centralized uh, crypto exchange. There's a couple more responses. Barry responds to this uh, same day saying we didn't borrow 1.675 billion from Genesis. We never missed an interest payment so on and so forth. That's not really what's important, at least uh, because we're going to figure out the truth in our analysis. What I found interesting is, again, Cameron's response on 110.23, which, uh, which it's a long response. I won't read it all, but it's, it's damning in that there are a couple points that uh, Cameron and Cameron is claiming on behalf of Gemini to DCG. Number one, the collateralization ratios that uh, Genesis was supposed to adhere to uh, they did not adhere to. And what I mean by that is Genesis lent, it is the claim that Genesis lent $2.36 billion of assets to Three Arrows, uh, Three Arrows Capital at an 80% collateralization rate. That means um, for every billion dollars borrowed through ACS to put up uh, $800 million. So at $2.36 billion, 3AC had to put up $2 billion of collateral. But when uh, when 3AC went under and Genesis liquidated the position, uh, they were only able to recover $1.2 billion of collateral. So where did the other $800 million go, right? That's claim number one. Uh, claim number two is that DCG is committing like accounting fraud with respect to how they how they classify the ten year promissory note from Genesis to DCG. So off of the follow to three AC, Digital Currency Group assumed the loan. Digital Currency Group assumed the bad debt of Genesis to the tomb of one point one million one point one billion dollars. And that became an asset to Genesis, a liability to DCG. But it was a 10-year promissory note at a rate of interest rate of 1% at 2032, right? So Cameron goes on to claim that this is accounting fraud and it shouldn't this loan shouldn't be shouldn't be valued at $1.1 billion and it shouldn't be classified as a current asset. Uh that's and then the third part, which is really an extension of the accounting fraud, is um, d- 
DCG misclassified the $1.1 billion in a Gemini risk metric request, which didn't properly disclose the actual risk associated with that loan. It goes it goes on and on. And then uh, he goes to he goes to talk about like the um, 3AC Genesis Mayor ground with GBTC. We'll talk about that. But it was a, it was a hell of a claim against uh, uh, Digital Currency Group. And then Barry, the CEO of DCG, responds, essentially denying the whole thing. And it's a very long letter. I'll put this in the show notes. So off the back of the claims by the CEO of Gemini, the response by the CEO of DCG, I'm like, where the hell is the truth? And that's what we're going to explore today. My goal is to try to figure out is DCG really committing accounting fraud by miscategorizing its $1.1 billion loan? Did Genesis fail to enforce the appropriate collateralization thresholds with 3AC? Is there some other nefarious activity that's going on at the detriment of the grayscale uh, trust members. It goes on and on. And uh, I've posted this in a long-form analysis on frontrunnercrypto.com called Untangling Digital Currency Group in Gemini. I encourage everyone to read it because there's a lot of alpha in there. But we will use this to frame our conversation. And for those who are listening on in podcast land, I will describe any charts that come up along the way. What I have presented right now is a, a very basic organizational hierarchy with DCG, who owns uh, Grayscale and Genesis. Genesis, ten, Genesis interacts with Gemini. Gemini is an exchange. Genesis is a Genesis is a broker dealer. Okay, so uh, that means they a broker dealer is a firm that trades assets using their own money or trades assets using another client's money. That's what Genesis did traditionally for institutional investors. Now, Genesis also launched a trading desk called Genesis Lending. Oh, let me back up, let me back up. Genesis also launched a lending desk called Genesis Trading, it's odd because uh, the broker-dealer activities weren't part of Genesis Trading. They were part of you know, the other subsidiary of Genesis, but the lending function is under this umbrella called Genesis Trading, right? So just keep in mind that Genesis is a broker-dealer. They trade crypto using their own money as well as other, uh, other firms' money, and they also lend capital to other firms to facilitate trades and investments and make money off the yield, right? And that is essentially what happened. That is the relationship that Genesis had with Gemini. So I'm pulling up another chart that outlines a visual depiction of the retail trader, Gemini, and Genesis. So real retail traders deposited money into Gemini. Gemini took that money 
loaned it to Genesis. Genesis took that money, loaned it to other hedge funds like 3AC. And the profits were such that Genesis profited on the spread between the rate it charged to the borrowers and the rate it offered to depositors like Gemini, right? Gemini profits by charging a 4.29% agent fee to retail traders, and then the retail traders got whatever yield was left, right? And this was collectively called Gemini Earn, right? So retail traders would deposit ETH into Gemini Earn, and maybe they would convert it to USDC, and USDC would earn a yield of, I don't know, 7%, right? Gemini would take all the USDC that retail traders deposited and give that to Genesis, well, loan that to Genesis, right? Genesis would offer a 15% yield to Gemini in exchange for the USDC. Genesis would in turn deploy that USDC to a hedge fund like 3AC who would try to earn 40% yield, right? Through the GBTC merry-go-round we'll describe in a bit, right? So the hedge fund makes 40%. They give it back to Genesis, who profits like 20%. They give that back to Gemini, who profits like 15%. And they give the delta, which is whatever left over, back to the retail traders with around a APY of 7%. That was the flow of yield amongst the participants and when we see ads like Gemini partners with crypto lender Genesis to offer a 7.4% yield on the customer deposits, that's how they did it. And it's incredibly misleading because I'm looking, I have the, um, the ad from Coindesk loaded that shows the launch of Gemini Earn on February 2, 2021. And they use the subtitle, the product is part of Gemini's attempt to bring in, to bring in new crypto investors with bank-like products. Very misleading. It's not a bit. These these accounts are not banks, right? Banks are subject to like FDIC regulations, right? There's a strict framework of regulatory laws that outline what banks can and cannot do with depositor funds. None of that existed with Gemini Earn. Gemini Earn was an interest-bearing crypto account. Solo was. It was an unregulated brokerage. So this worked until it didn't. And when 3AC collapsed, when FTX went under, it created a cascading set of liquidations and insolvency risks. And it culminated, at least in uh, November 2022, with, everybody now knows this, the CEO of Digital Currency Group, which owns Genesis Global Capital, which, again, is the parent firm of Genesis Trading, which acts as the lending arm uh, with depositor funds from Gemini, right? This letter to shareholders from DCG announces that 
They temporarily suspended redemptions and new loan originations Wednesday, November 16th, after market turmoil sparked unprecedented withdrawal requests. That is a bank run. Unprecedented withdrawal requests is a bank run, and it's a byproduct of maturity duration mismatches that we'll cover shortly. So the suspension is implemented on 1116. $900 million worth of Gemini earned funds are in limbo, potentially at risk of default. What happens over the next uh, 60 days? If you're on crypto Twitter, like it's wild. I, I, I had a folder on, on Twitter that outlined uh, all of the hot takes that I saw on anything related to DCG, Genesis, Grayscale, Gemini, and and I was looking through it over the weekend. It is complete insanity, right? So I'm going to pick a, sele- a couple that really piqued my interest, right? A really popular theme on crypto Twitter is that Genesis was bankrupt, right? Uh, given the given the aggregate liabilities owned via its lending desk, um, plus the callable notes to DCG, when Genesis files bankruptcy, that $1.1 billion callable note to DCG will also force DCG into bankruptcy. That wasn't true, right? There was a rumor that Genesis knowingly received depositor funds from FTX, right? Genesis is the alter ego of DCG's CEO. Gen- Grayscale's commingling funds. Grayscale's intentionally slow walking the ETF conversion. It's a Ponzi. Gemini's acting with gross negligence. Gemini's colluding with Genesis. Gemini's secure, guilty of security fraud. DCG is enabling undercollateralized loans intentionally to maximize uh, management fees. DCG's committing fraud. And of course, everything's okay. There is no problem. There's so much to like unpack here. The analysis that we're covering right now is going to focus just on Genesis and uh, Gemini because there's a whole nother set of challenges with respect to uh, Grayscale and then the broad implications with Digital Currency Group, right? So my attempt is to, uh, we're, we're going to analyze each firm individually and then and then try to put it all together, right? So just remember, Genesis Capital is a broker-dealer, broker-dealer. So every time you hear the word broker-dealer, it means that they, a broker-dealer uses their own money to buy, sell, and trade crypto. This is true in traditional finance. Uh, as well, a broker-dealer in TradFi uses their own money to buy, sell, and trade stocks. When they use their own money, they're called the dealer. When they use other people's money, they're called a broker. So like uh, in TradFi, if you have enough wealth to do so, you can deploy your capital to Goldman Sachs, who will trade on your behalf, right? But Goldman Sachs also has a trading desk where they trade with their own capital. It's a broker-dealer. Genesis did the same thing. So remember, Genesis Capital also has a lending desk called Genesis Trading, right? And Genesis Trading takes depositor, uh, takes funds from other crypto banks, financial institutions, and loans them to other crypto institutions and hedge funds. Right. And looking through the history, I can see that there is somewhere between about $244 billion of loans originated from Genesis Trading, like as of November 21. And there are $16 billion uh, 
based on the analysis that I was able to like extrapolate, $16 billion of loans outstanding as of today. So the way I, I, I'm trying a new thing uh, with drawings, I think it helps out a lot. I love you guys' feedback. But uh, uh, what I've done is I've made some basic drawings to outline like the flow of data. So you have hedge funds, VCs, crypto exchanges like Gemini that loan money to Genesis, right? Here is 10,000 Bitcoin. Here's 1 million USDC. I'm going to loan this to you, Genesis, for 12 months at a rate of 15%. At month 12, you're going to give me back my $1 million of USDC plus 15%. You're going to give me back my 10,000 Bitcoin plus 15%. Genesis Trading says, cool. They take the loans provided by these other institutions and high net worth clients, and then in turn deploy that to other hedge funds or trade it uh, internally. But with Genesis Trading, just it was always a lending function. So the way Genesis makes money, very straightforward. It's the rate Genesis charged to borrowers minus the borrowers minus the rate offered to depositors. If I'm Genesis and I offer a 10% yield to Gemini. Gemini gives me 1 million USDC. I give them back 1,110,000 USDC in 12 months, right? That's a 10% yield. Genesis takes that $1 million of USDC, gives that to other financial institutions, and charges 20%, 30%. 40%. They were charging as high as like 27, 28% in like the uh in in the disclosed filings that we were able to find. So if I'm Genesis, I pay 10% to the borrower, but then I collect 27% to the new lender, I'm netting 17% pre-tax. It's pretty wild, right? And that's exactly what happened. Genesis was charging fees greater than 20% and earning approximately 15 cents per dollar loaned. So the the claim and where this gets a little wonky is we enter this merry-go-round with Three Arrows Capital. So Three Arrows, Three Arrows Capital is a hedge fund. Institutions and exchanges and VCs put money into Genesis, they actually loan it to them, right? Genesis now loans that Bitcoin to Three Arrows Capital. Three Arrows Capital provides, to the best of our ability, a collateralization rate of 80%. So if 3AC borrows 10,000 Bitcoin from Genesis... They have to provide collateral equal to 8,000 Bitcoin. That can be like denominated in USDC or anything, but the collateral given has to be uh, at least 80% of uh, the loan amount by Genesis, right? And 
this like when I think about this, I thought, okay, that's kind of odd. Genesis has a trading desk, but like they're not actually using uh, the money that they've been able to borrow from Gemini to generate yield. Instead, they're deploying that as a loan to 3AC. It's a little weird, but it's not illegal. What we find to be questions of legality is the relationship that Genesis and 3AC had. The claim that Gemini sets forth is that Genesis loaned Bitcoin to 3AC because the asset 3AC used to collateralize the loan was shares of Grayscale's Bitcoin and Ethereum trust. Grayscale is a subsidiary of DCG, and DCG also owns Genesis, right? So I'm to connect the dots here. So what ends up happening, what ended up happening, and we, we conclude this, we know this for a fact, there's a lot of documentation and um, it's in the notes. Exchanges like Gemini loan money to Genesis. Genesis loans that money. Let's just use Bitcoin. Exchanges like Gemini loan Bitcoin to Genesis. Genesis loans Bitcoin to Three Arrows Capital. Three Arrows Capital deposits the Bitcoin into Grayscale's trust, receives shares of Grayscale's Bitcoin trust, GBTC, in return, uses that those shares of GBTC as collateral, for another loan of Bitcoin, which is then again deposited into the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust to receive more shares of GBTC, which is again loaned, which is again used as collateral to Genesis, who loans 3AC more Bitcoin, who then deposits that into Grayscale's trust again to receive more GBT shares in return who then provides that as collateral again to Genesis in this like infinite loop that never ends. And we've written extensively about this. It's not a secret to anyone who pays attention now. 3AC did this because the shares of GBTC were trading at a premium to the underlying native asset value. Let's see if I can up a chart what i have up right now is a gbtc discount or premium to nav chart i'm gonna do um do like max and we can see all we can see that from 2018 2018 the gbtc premiums at 60 percent 50 percent 60 percent it goes down 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 to like 20 25 27 percent in 2021 before it becomes a discount and what this meant is that 3ac could take shares of bitcoin in january on june 2018 they could deposit one bitcoin into the grayscale trust and they would receive a share of one share of gbtc or the equivalent shares of GBTC for one Bitcoin. Assume that one Bitcoin equals 10 shares of GBTC. Those 10 shares of GBTC were worth 1.8 Bitcoin. 
swear, I'm not making this up. So you deposit one Bitcoin, you get back shares that are equivalent to 1.8 Bitcoin. And all you have to do as 3AC is wait for the six-month lockup period to end. And then you sell your shares on the open market. You capture that 80% premium. You return the collateral to Genesis at its like 22% annualized interest rate. You've still pocketed 60% yield. Genesis in turn returns the collateral to Gemini after charging their 20% yield. Gemini takes the 4.29% management fee and then returns the 8% yield back to the Gemini Earn members. So you can see like the just like the breadth of the yield disparity. Gemini Earn members were getting like 7% yield while 3AC was collecting like 80% an 80% premium on the GBTC trade is crazy and what what I found to be like you know when it you think it's wild then you're like you can't get any crazier and then it gets crazier in a let's see if I can pull up the document uh The Grayscale Trust was sued in 2022 and again in 2023. And the claim uncovered was up until October 2022, Grayscale wasn't even the authorized participant for its own product. So what does that mean? Grayscale is a trust, and there is a mechanism to convert Bitcoin into shares of the trust. That is called an authorized participant. The entity that creates the shares of Grayscale Bitcoin Trust and Grayscale Ethereum Trust, it was Genesis. Genesis was the only authorized participant who had the legal authority to accept Bitcoin and Ethereum and convert it into shares of the Grayscale Trust. Are you starting to connect the dots? Genesis, Gem, uh, DCG, parent company, owns Grayscale. DCG, parent company, owns Genesis. Genesis is accepting loans collateralized by GBTC. Genesis is also the only authorized participant to create shares of GBTC. The claim is that Genesis is doing this to maximize the management fees and push the premium of GBTC as high as possible. And then what you end up what you end up the merry-go-round that you end up experiencing if you were to depict all of this is individuals and exchanges like Gemini loan money to Genesis. Genesis takes that loan Bitcoin, loans it to firms like 3AC. 3AC wants to turn that Bitcoin into shares of the Grayscale Trust. So they take the loan 
the Bitcoin that's been loaned by Genesis and gives it back to Genesis, who now submits an order to Grayscale to create shares of GBTC. Grayscale gives 3AC shares of GBTC. 3AC now posts the shares of GBTC back to Genesis and in turn receives a loan from Genesis for Bitcoin, which is given back to Genesis, which they use to create shares of GBTC, which is given back to 3AC, which is used as collateral for more shares of Bitcoin, which is given back to Genesis, who takes that Bitcoin and converts it to GBT shares, who gives it back to 3AC, who posts it as collateral to Genesis, and receives more Bitcoin in return, in this loop that never ends. Is it genius? Is it evil? Are you jealous that you didn't think of it? Like, maybe the truth is somewhere in between. The damning part in this is Gemini, in the legal documents uncovered that they posted uh, on the Gemini website, Gemini is speculating that the machine to blame in all of this, it's not 3AC. It's Genesis. 3AC was just like the mechanism that Genesis used to swap Bitcoin and Ethereum for shares of GBTC and ETH. And here's a quote. Here's a quote from Gemini to DCG's board. It is becoming clear, however, that this was not the case at all. Speaking to the collateralized loans that uh, that Genesis originated. In reality, 3AC was acting as a mere conduit for Genesis, allowing it to enter into what effectively were swap transactions of Bitcoin for GBT shares within the Grayscale Trust. In this transaction, Genesis was betting the shares would be worth more than Bitcoin in the future. The 3AC loan was the Bitcoin leg of the swap, and the 3AC collateral was the GBTC leg of the swap. 3AC was a mere mule shuttling the assets between the parties, and as a result, Genesis ended up owning massive risk. So what if you believe that to be true, like the question I have and that you should have is, why would Genesis take on this risk? Like Genesis has no upside in this. If there is a premium to be captured, it would be realized by uh, 3AC, right? They're the, they're the ones who own the shares of GBTC. What is the incentive for Gen- Genesis to lever up massive risk, take out, uh, originate these loans that are under collateralized, What's their upside? And the claim by Gemini is that the existence of Genesis, and I'm quoting, was to keep pumping BTC and ETH into the Grayscale Trust to capture management fees on behalf of its parent company, DCG. So Genesis wasn't even, at least the claim by Gemini, the name of the game for Genesis was not even to capture any of the premium. It was just to keep pumping 
the keep pumping BTC ETH shares into the trust such that Grayscale would continue to capture the three, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred million dollars manages management fees on behalf of its parent company DCG. And one explanation as to why this could potentially be true is we talked about this earlier is recall that and I'm pulling up a tweet Genesis loaned three arrows capital 2.3 billion dollars of of Bitcoin and Ethereum and Michael Morrow the now retired CEO of Genesis on his tweet says the loans to this counterparty had a weighted average margin requirement of over 80% once they were unable to meet the margin call requirements we immediately sold the collateral and hedged our downside so the collateral what is the collateral in this case the collateral is the gbtc ETHE shares right and if if the collateralization ratios were really 80% which means for every million you borrowed you have to you have to provide $800,000 of collateral then why weren't you able to recover the 800 why, why were you only able to recover 1.1 billion and not uh, 80% of 2.3 billion, which is like what, 2.1.9 billion? Where's the $800 million, right? The claim set forth by Gemini is that there were no collateral, there were no collateral ratios of 80%. It was just loose underwriting by Genesis to keep pumping the uh, premiums of the trust and capturing the management fees. And this was all in November. This was all in like July, right? FTX wasn't even in the picture yet. So now, fast forward to October, November. Genesis is still of the mindset that the fallout from 3AC is controlled. Everything is under control. There are no problems. Boom, FTX goes under. Now things are going sideways, right? So. A tweet from Genesis Trading on November 10, 2022. As part of our goal in improving transparency around this week's market event, the Genesis Derivatives business, this is the um, this is the trading, this is the broker dealer function of Genesis. Currently has $175 million in locked funds on our FTX trading account. This does not impact our market making activities. So this means that as of July 2022, there was a $1.1 billion hole in the Genesis balance sheet from the $2.3 billion loan that went sideways on 3AC, right? We know that DCG assumed that loan on a 10-year note at 1%. Now... Genesis also acknowledges that there's at least $175 million uh, of presumably Genesis's money, this is not like borrowed capital, locked in an FTX account. They're probably trading derivatives like uh, perpetual options and stuff like that, right? So in that scenario, DCG had to finally step in I'm going to pull up an article from Coindesk. 
Crypto investment firm DCG gives $140 million in equity infusion to trading firm Genesis. This was to keep it from going sideways, make sure that Genesis continue to make the interest payments and continue in solvency, continue in its solvency. Lots of, lots of uncertainty at November 2022 in that it was disclosed that Genesis was shopping around for up to a billion dollars in uh, emergency funding from Apollo as well as Binance. And remember, this is when ZZ was having his, uh, it was his moment to shine. Binance declined the $1 billion bailout, citing a uh, conflict of interest, and Apollo never responded. But even after all that, even after the, even after the 3AC fallout, even after the trust trading from a premium to a discount, even after the FTX fallout, even after Genesis being unable to obtain the $1 billion in emergency funding, DCG still doubles down and says the impact lies within the lending desk business at Genesis and does not affect Genesis trading or its custody businesses. Importantly, this temporary action has no impact on business operations of DCG or other whole-owned subsidiaries. Everything's fine. There are no problems, right? That was the marching orders from DCG. And it continues to be the marching orders to this date. So, we haven't talked about Gemini yet. But we do know a couple things, right? Genesis used institutional money, right? That's, I'm pulling up the picture again. That's the hedge funds, the VCs, the exchange, the exchanges like Gemini. They borrowed money from these institutions and the lending desks loaned that money out to hedge funds like 3AC and Genesis lending desk profit was the spread between the uh, the interest paid to the depositors and the interest collected from its borrowers, right? That's how the lending desk made money. A big just question mark you should want to think of is like, where did Genesis get this money, right? And the answer is, that there's a, many answers, but for the purpose of this discussion, Genesis was able to essentially borrow $900 million from Gemini. They also borrowed $300 million from a Dutch exchange called Bitvavo. Uh, that is beyond the scope of this conversation, but Bitvavo has a very interesting story as well. If you want to learn more about it, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, essentially, Bitvavo uh, is out $300 million. Gemini is out $900 million. So, the Gemini story is interesting because it unravels what my, I believe to be the a true reflection of what crypto banks think of their depositors, right? And let's let's dive into that. So, we all know that Gemini was a centralized crypto exchange, right? you would take 
your Bitcoin, USDC, USDT, Ethereum, whatever, and deploy it to Gemini Exchange to trade, buy, and sell. From 2015 to 2020, Gemini collected fees primarily on transactions, right? They charge anywhere between $0.99, cents, $1.49 to like 1.49%, depending on the size of the transaction. Now, the platform was permissioned in that you didn't have your private keys, uh, but Gemini was the custodian of your crypto. They did not loan your crypto to other institutions, at least not yet, right? So money goes into Gemini, you trade it, Gemini takes custody of your crypto, and the fee model for Gemini is the exchange trading fees. That's it. Now, during the bull cycle of 2020, 2021, in the, in the glory and genius of the Winklevoss brothers, who are the owners of Gemini, they started to expand into other areas of crypto. Uh, remember that Gemini raised $400 million to build the metaverse. How's that going? It's not going at all. Number two, Gemini launched a crypto rewards credit card. That was April 2022. I think it's still there, but um, it's just Gemini in name. The actual bank is, who is the bank? Web bank, right? It's a web bank. The funds will be stored in web bank. It's a MasterCard, and Gemini is just the user interface to like transfer and dispose of the funds. And then... The third expansion opportunity is the Gemini Earn program that is the centerpiece of this disaster, right? And as we all know, Gemini Earn is the program that takes depositor funds and gives the depositor a yield. For those who didn't have the privilege to use Gemini Earn, I have a screenshot up that shows some of the example yield that Earn participants could obtain. 1-inch token, 7% APY. AMP token, 1.7 APY. ETH, 2%. Where's the... Where's the... Some stable coins at? DAI, 7%? Man. Yeah. 7%. So if you run through the, the profit model, for Gemini to pay its depositors 7% on DAI, that means... Gemini had to collect at least 13%. Let's round up and use whole numbers. Gemini pays its depositors 8% on DAI. Gemini charges a 5% uh, agent fee. That's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's 12%. So that means Gemini must collect at least 12% on DAI to remit the 8% less the management, the agent fee. Now, if... Gemini's hurdle is 12%. They're going to give it to Genesis, who's charging 22%. That's 34% of yield that needs to be generated for every dollar of die. Which means that hedge funds like 3AC would have to knock that out of the park and earn 50, 60, 70, 80%, right? To make it worth their while. If I'm borrowing 
at 30%, I'm going to need to make at least three times that. And the only way you could do that is leverage. So think about that. Dai pays 8% to depositors. Gemini needs to collect at least 12% to capture the 5 and remit the 8. That means if the borrower of Genesis, the borrower of Gemini, which is Genesis, has to pay Gemini 12%, Genesis is going to charge its borrowers like 30%, 34%. That's crazy. That is freaking crazy. But that's what was happening. And what we should note is when Gemini launched this earn program, the relationship, at least per the terms of service, changed, right? Users were no longer deploying assets to Gemini Exchange that were that were held in Gemini's custody. Users of the earn program weren't even considered users anymore. And this is where it gets really dicey. So a class action lawsuit was filed on behalf of the Gemini Earn participants. It's in the show notes. Brenda Pika and Max Hastings individually and on behalf of all other similarly situated versus Gemini Trust. And there's it's a long, long article. I've uh I've read it for you, but The gist of it from the plaintiff's perspective, these are the individuals who deposited crypto into Earn, is that Gemini acted with malfeasance and deception and failed to put in adequate guardrails to protect its investors. How do you think Gemini responded to this? Okay, In this response, Gemini, and I'm quoting this, Everybody should read, and everybody should read their uh, their terms of service the next time they hit accept. The authorization agreement contains important disclosures, and Gemini Earn participants were required to read before participating in the program. Gemini Earn participants agreed and understood that in making these independent decisions to lend assets to Genesis, those assets would leave Gemini, and a total loss was possible. Lenders agreed. Lenders agreed that your available digital assets will leave your custody and you accept the risk of loss associated with loan transactions up to including the total loss of your available digital assets. So Gemini is basically saying, hey, man, you read our terms of service. You knew what you were getting. You knew what you were signing up for. Moreover, Gemini goes on to say Gemini is not a principal to any loan, and this is where you got to pay attention, and we have no obligation or ability to return the loaned digital assets from your borrower in the event of a default. What, what insanity. So Gemini's claim is that the participants who deployed capital into the EARN program are not customers of Gemini. They're actually lenders to Genesis. Earn customers loaned Bitcoin and digital and Ethereum and Dai to Genesis, and Gemini was merely the agent that facilitated the trade, right? And all of the due diligence, the analysis, the risk management, risk of default, collateralization analysis, 
margin requirements, all of the stuff that an institution like Gemini has access to, they've completely punted it to the EARN program members who in the complaint, Gemini stating that, hey, you should have did your own research, right? Gemini is just the agent. And here is the actual response that we're going to go through. This is the response of Gemini to the plaintiffs. That's the urn program that's suing Gemini. This is Winklevoss, right? And I'll read parts of it, um, and it's highlighted in red. Through the urn program, participants such as the plaintiffs were lenders. They were able to make informed, independent, and voluntarily and voluntary decisions to lend digital assets to the borrower, Genesis, right? Gemini never borrowed the assets. So Gemini is saying that we never borrowed assets from anyone in the EARN program. Gemini only acted on behalf of the lenders, which is the EARN participants, right? The lenders had principal risk to the borrower Genesis, not Gemini. Unbelievable, right? Once the lenders made asset loans to Genesis, the loans left Gemini's control. This is what what I find so like insulting about this is because Gemini is again reiterating that they have no fiduciary and or legal responsibility to the to the earn program members. Right? The earn program members, they're the lenders and they should have did their own due diligence. And what I put up now is a chart that says here's really what happened. Earn customers who are the lenders deploy loan digital assets to Genesis via Gemini, who is the agent. Genesis takes the loaned digital assets from the lender via Gemini, the agent, and then in turn loans that to Three Arrows Capital who gives it back to Genesis, who in turn takes those shares, in this case Bitcoin, and converts it to Bitcoin, GBTC, and gives it to 3AC, who then posts it back to Genesis as collateral for more Bitcoin, which 3AC gives back to Genesis to create shares of GBTC, which is given to 3 Arrows Capital, who posts collateral to Genesis again, in the form of the GBTC, to borrow more Bitcoin. Are you telling me that the EARN program members had any insight? Had any insight into like the merry-go-round of leverage trading that Genesis was Genesis was cultivating with Grayscale and Daros Capital? Do you think the EARN members? knew about the Genesis loan strategies, collateralization requirements, the nuance with its authorized participants and how like Genesis was the only authorized participant. Do you think the lenders of Gemini Earn knew who Genesis was lending money to, the solvency of the Genesis borrowers? Do you think the Gemini Earn members knew about the due diligence that any of the Genesis lending desk loan originators were performing? Do you think they know about the margin requirements? I don't. I mean, it's complete insanity because Gemini, Gemini's position is that Gemini's position is that it is just the agent acting on behalf of the earned customers, and that all of the due diligence was 
should have been performed with Urn and not with Gemini. I find that completely insulting. Gem, I find it insulting because Gemini didn't actually provide any of the information to its Urn program members to perform their due diligence, right? It's 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 crazy. And for better or worse, two days after Genesis, two days after uh Gemini responded to its class action lawsuit with the statements I've just described, the SEC steps in and says, No, 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 no. This is illegal. Genesis and Gemini are participating in the offer and sale of unregistered crypto assets via the Gemini Earn lending program. And I have the complaint uh, published by the SEC uh, presented. And the TLDR is that Beginning February 2021, Genesis and Gemini began offering Gemini Earn Program members, uh, retail investors, the opportunity to tender their crypto assets to to Genesis with Gemini acting as the agent to facilitate the transaction. Gemini deducted the agent fee as high as 4% and then returned and... They deduct the agent fee as high as 4.29% from the returns that Genesis paid to Gemini Earn investors, right? The complaint of the SEC, and what I, I'm connecting the dots on this, so I'd love to hear feedback, is that the SEC, and I think this is their end goal, I'm calling it now, the SEC's end goal is to classify any digital assets that earn yield via like a crypto asset interest bearing account as a security. And they did this. They were able to. The SEC was able to get BlockFi on the exact same, on the exact same set of charges. Right. Recall that in February 2022, I'll pull up the SEC complaint here. Uh, the SEC charged BlockFi with uh, violating its Investment Company Act of 1940. What is the Investment Company Act? It's it's a lot of things, but the TLDR is that BlockFi offered. Um, BlockFi was selling unregistered securities via the BlockFi interest accounts, right? This is the yield earned on the stablecoins and crypto assets. This is the exact same, the exact same program that Gemini Earn was running. And I'll pull up the screen again. This is the yield that Earn participants could would get on uh, tokens they've deployed into the Earn program. It's a crypto digital asset interest bearing account. And I think if I were a betting man, Gemini is going to have to pay the price on this because um, the SEC has already proven that crypto-like banks, which offer interest bearing accounts, are selling unregistered securities. That, that, is, that is not going to serve Gemini well. Moreover, uh, moreover, I'm just not 
pleased with how Gemini is framing its relationship with its customers, right? The whole aspect of Earn members being lenders, Gemini, Earn being the agent, Genesis being the borrower. You should have read the terms of service. Come on, dude. That might have made sense if you gave the Earn program members access to like the Genesis lending desk um, margin management manuals, access to their risk management team, documentation that outlines how Genesis measures risks, issues loans, who they select, who they don't select, what their default rate is. None of that stuff is was provided at all. I think Gemini's on the hook, at least partially. Which leads us back to the letter that we started with from Cameron Winklevoss to the, le- to the uh, CEO of DCG. I'm going to read it again. Barry, today marks... 47 days since Genesis halted withdrawals. I am writing you on behalf of more than 340,000 earned customers who are looking for answers. These are real people. A single mom who lent her son's education money to you. A father who lent his son's bar mitzvah money to you. A husband and wife who lent their life savings to you. A school teacher who lent his children's college fund to you. A policeman and so many more. You deserve concrete answers and we're here to get them. I think the Winklevoss brothers um, are tangentially partially responsible for this. They knew the risk of the interest-bearing accounts as as set forth by BlockFi's $100 million loan, uh, penalty to the SEC. They failed to provide adequate documentation to the earned program members. So this whole angle about... I think this, this entire letter is insanity because if I if I'm a school teacher and I have a and I have a child. I'm not gonna loan my put my child's college fund on a freaking crypto bank and buy Bitcoin to earn yield. That's nuts. A husband and wife who lent their life savings to you. What what husband and wife is going to loan their life savings to a crypto bank to buy one inch tokens that earns ten percent yield? Get out of here. It's a it's a PR stunt, and there's plenty of blame to go around. Okay, so why did this happen? Let's set it up. We know that uh, Genesis is a lending desk. They took money from exchanges like Gemini. Using the money they borrowed from Gemini, they in turn loaned that to uh, – other institutions like 3AC who did stuff to try to earn yields, right? Retail traders goes to Gem- uh, Gemini Earn. Gemini Earn goes to Genesis. Genesis goes to somewhere else. The failure in all of this, and what I conclude, is this concept called maturity, duration, mismatch, okay? Maturity, duration, mismatch is when... I let someone borrow one Bitcoin and I ask, I give it to them on Monday. I say, I want it back on Friday. 
the person, the borrower of my one Bitcoin, can do stuff with the Bitcoin, but they got to give it back to me by Friday. All right? They got five days. Maturity duration mismatch is when the borrower of my one Bitcoin takes it and loans it to someone else for 12 months. So now Friday happens. I ask for my one Bitcoin back. And the borrower says, I don't have it. I've loaned it to someone else. I'll get it back in 12 months. It is... Gemini earn members issuing short-term loans to Genesis and then Genesis issuing longer-term loans to borrowers. This happens all the time in traditional finance, but it works in TradFi and it doesn't work in DeFi for two reasons. Traditional finance has a lender of last resort that's called the U.S. government. The U.S. government will lend banks money to avoid a bank run. Moreover, if I go to Fidelity... And I put my $250,000 into Fidelity in a cash deposit account. Fidelity loses it. The FDIC, which is an agency of the U.S. government, will step in and bail me out. It's called FDIC insured. Moreover... There is regulation in traditional finance that outlines what banks and financial institutions like Fidelity can do with funds stored in cash deposit accounts. A cash deposit account is a savings account, is a checking account. I have an example here, and I'll tie this all back to it. It's going to make sense in a moment. Uh, I've loaded like the terms of service for Fidelity's cash management account. This is traditional finance. Fidelity basically says, you're going to put your cash into this account. We're going to give you some yield, but we're going to take the cash you give us and we're going to, we're going to loan it to a program bank. A program bank is Citibank, the Bank of New York, Goldman Sachs, Citizens Bank. It goes on and on, right? And it lists it out. Fidelity makes money by taking your money, loaning it to Bank of America. Bank of America earns 5% maybe 6%. Fidelity takes a small fee of that and remits to you like 1% or 2%. And this works because of the safety nets that are in place in traditional finance with respect to regulatory requirements on what you can do with cash deposit accounts as well as the FDIC. So when, if everyone goes to Fidelity at the same time and says, I want my cash out of my account now. That's called a bank run. And the system is set up such that depositors won't experience a bank run because of the FDIC insurance, 
because of the regulatory compliance with what Fidelity can do with cash deposit accounts so on and so forth. When all of the depositors in Gemini Earn went back to Gemini and said, we want to withdraw our money, that's a bank run. But unlike traditional finance, Gemini Earn didn't have the safety nets that I've described. And the only way Gemini could have prevented that was through the appropriate allocation of matching maturity dates, which they failed to do. Gemini issued short-term loans to Genesis. Genesis issued long-term loans to Three Arrows Capital. And then when the lenders of the short-term loans to Genesis, this is the Gemini Earn members, collectively said, I want my money back. Genesis said, oops, I don't have it. Lots of other problems. I don't want to dispute any of like the other challenges we've said. There were for sure leveraged trades between 3AC, Genesis, and Grayscale. Genesis definitely like issued loans under its collateralization threshold. There's the whole aspect around like authorized participants and how Genesis was the only authorized participants. I'm really pissed off about Gemini Earn's terms of service that uh, frames Gemini Earn participants as the lender and Gemini as the agent. I conclude this all by saying that Gemini's compassion uh, for the burn custom earned customers it's really a facade they don't they don't care about you man if you really want to know what your bank thinks of you you should read its terms of service so that concludes part one again everything I've just went through the long form analysis is on frontandcrypto.com. I encourage you to read it all because there's a lot of nuance there next week we'll walk through part two of Digital Currency Group and Gemini by reviewing DCG's accounting fraud, all these claims of accounting fraud, Grayscale's conflict of interest. There's a whole lot to unpack there, and we're going to try to tie it all together in a way that outlines some type of master plan with DCG or just one hell of a coincidence. That wraps it up for today, guys. I'm your host, John Cook. Thank you for listening. We are on a journey to front run the next generation of wealth creation. We call it decentralized finance and crypto. If you found what you've heard interesting, hit the subscribe button, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our newsletter, frontruncrypto.com. That's where all the alpha is. Until next guy, until next time. Thanks for watching. Peace.